ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد uh, continuing with بلوغ المرام ان كتاب الصيام we were now on the second section, which was regarding the supererogatory fasts, the optional fasts. We began that last time, and we mentioned some of the optional fasts that an individual can do. From amongst those, there was the fast of the day of Arafah, the one which the Prophet ﷺ said concerning, يُكَفِّرُ سَنَةَ الْمَاضِيَةَ وَالْبَاقِيَةَ that it expiates the sins of the previous year and the future year. وَسُئِلَ عَنْ صِيَامِ يَوْمِ عَشُورًا قَالْ يُكَفِّرُ سَنَةَ الْمَاضِيَةَ And he was asked about يَوْمْ عَشُورًا And he said that forgives or expiates the sins of the previous year. Also he was asked about the day of Monday and that was the day he said I was born in and also I was given the prophethood in and also the revelation came to me in. So that was another day which is an optional day from the sunnah to fast. Similarly, we mentioned the six days of Ramadan, the hadith of Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiyallahu anhu, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَنْ صَامَ رَمَضَانَ ثُمَّ أَتْبَعْهُ سِتًّا مِنْ شَوَّالْ كَانَ كَسَيَامِ الدَّهْرِ Whoever fasts Ramadan then follows it up with six fasts from Shawwal, then it is as if he has fasted the whole of the year. Uh, we also mentioned about the one who fasts whilst performing jihad, and that his face is removed from the fire by 70 years. Also there was the individual who fasts uh, plentifully in the month of Sha'ban, since it is mentioned in the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha that the Prophet sallallahu used to fast plentifully in the month, month of Sha'ban. Uh, also it was mentioned about the three days of every month, hadith of Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu, that the Prophet ﷺ commanded us to fast three days of every month, the 13th, the 14th, and the 15th being the best of those. Then we move on now, after mentioning those optional fasts, on to the issue of the days or the restrictions when it comes to fasting. What types of fasts are not allowed? When is it not allowed to fast? That is the section we are in now. So firstly we have the hadith of Abu Huraira. رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لا يحل للمرأة أن تسوم وزوجها شاهد إلا بإبنه متفق عليه واللفظ للبخاري زاد أبو داود غير رمضان In this hadith the Prophet وسلم, says that it is not permissible for a woman to fast if her husband is present except without his permission except that she must take his permission. It is not permissible for a woman to fast if the husband is a witness to that, he is present, except that she takes permission from him first. And that is a hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim. And this particular wording is the wording that is found in Al-Bukhari. And in the version of Abu Dawood, there is an extra wording which says, غَيْرَ Ramadan, Other than Ramadan, meaning that in Ramadan she doesn't have to take permission. But outside of that, in the optional fasts, then she needs to take permission. So with this now, the Shaykh says, Shaykh Saleh al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah ta'ala, 
that the author has begun to speak about those types of fasts which are prohibited. The first of those, أول ذلك المرأة لا يجوز لها أن تسوم تطوعا وزوجها شاهد يعني حاضرا إلا بإذنه. That it is not permissible for a woman to fast optional fasts whilst her husband is present. He is there except by his permission. وذلك لحقه عليها فإذا صامت فإنها تقصر في خدمته وفي حاجته وتضعف أو وتضعف عن ذلك. وَتَمْتَنِعُ مِنْهُ فِي نَفْسِهَا وَلِيَسْتِمْتَعُ بِهَا وَحَقُّهُ وَاجِبٌ وَالصَّوْمُ مُسْتَحَبٌّ فَلَا تُقَدِّمُ الْمُسْتَحَبَّ عَلَى وَاجِبٌ Here now the Shaykh says the reason for that, the reason why a woman is not permitted to fast optional fasts, if her husband is present without his permission, she must take his permission if he is present, the reason for that is because if she was to fast, these optional fasts, then she may well fall short in the rights of her husband. So the husband has certain rights from his wife. And the wife, if she was fasting, then she may fall short with regards to fulfilling those rights of the husband. She may become weak as a consequence of fasting. She feels tired. She's not able to do the uh, jobs which are her jobs to do. She's not able to carry out the rights that are upon her with regards to her husband. As well as the issue, obviously we mentioned previous to this, the issue of intercourse, that it is not permissible if an individual is fasting. So if a woman is fasting, then that becomes impermissible for her. So she must prevent herself from her husband in that state. So all of this is with the right of the husband. And that's why... The woman, she must seek permission from the husband to do so. And the right of the husband is something obligatory upon a woman. The right of the husband is something obligatory upon a woman. Whereas optional fasting is only mustahab. It's something recommended, something sunnah. So you don't give precedence to something which is sunnah and mustahab over something which is obligatory. And the rights of the husband are obligatory. Whereas the optional fasts, they are optional Therefore, a woman should not do that unless she takes permission from her husband first. حَتَّى فِي الْأَيَّامِ الَّتِي حَثَّ النَّبِيُّ صلى الله عليه وسلم عَلَى صِيَامِهَا لَا تَسُومُهَا إِلَّا بِإِذْنِهِ Even if it is one of those days that we've just mentioned in the previous section, the six days of Shawwal, Arafa, Ashura, all these types of days, even if it was one of those days, the woman should take permission from her husband first to fast those days. فَهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ مُقَيِّدٌ لِمَا سَبَقَ فِي حَقِّ الْمَرْأَ ذَاتِ الزَّوْجِ وَالزَّوْجُ حَاضِرٌ And this hadith, it is restricted to the woman who is married. Obviously a woman who's not married, then she doesn't have the rights of the husband upon her. And similarly that the husband is present. So what are the rulings taken from this then to summarize? Firstly, أَنَّ الْمَرْأَةَ الَّتِي لَا زَوْجَ لَهَا تَسُومُ سِيَامَ تَطَوْعَ الْمَشْرُوعَ that a woman who doesn't have a husband, then she's free to fast whatever day she wants without taking any permission. There's no rights of the husband upon her. Secondly, أَنَّ الْمَرْأَ الَّتِي لَهَا زَوْجِ غَائِبٌ تَسُومُ أَيْضًا لِقَوْلِهِ وَزَوْجُهَا شَاهِدٌ فَدَلَّ عَلَى أَنَّ الْغَائِبَ لَا تُمْنَعُ الْمَرْأَةُ مِنْ الصِّيَامِ فِي غَيْبَتِهِ لِعَدَمِ الْمَحْظُورِ وَهُوَ تَفْوِيتُ حَقِّ الزَّوْجِ Similarly, if a woman was married but her husband was not present. A husband is away, traveling somewhere, doing something, business, relatives, whatever it might be. 
the husband is not present in the home for a period of time. During that period of time, the woman is allowed to fast as she pleases, without having to take permission. She doesn't have to ring him to ask. If he's away, she can fast as she pleases. Why? Because the issue which we had before, which was the rights of the woman upon her husband. If the husband isn't present, then there are no rights for her to fulfill upon him directly. Obviously, there are the other rights of uh, keeping her chastity and keeping the home in uh, orderly fashion in terms of not letting in strangers, etc. All of those rights remain. But the direct rights between her and her husband, they are not there because the husband isn't present. So in that instance, again, she can fast without having to take permission because the husband isn't present. Whereas the hadith that we mentioned, it spoke specifically about a woman that is married and her husband is present. So if a woman isn't married or she is married and her husband isn't present, then this doesn't apply to her. She can fast without having to take the permission. ثالثا في الحديث دليل على تحريم أن تسوم المرأة تضوعا وزوجها حاضر لم يأذن لم يأذن فإن صامت فإنها مفطرة وآثم بصومها لقول صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يحل ومعنى لا يحل يعني يحرم. The issue here though, as we said, is if a woman is married and her husband is present, then there are certain rights she must give to him, and there are certain rights that he has upon her. then in that instance a woman should take permission first before fasting the optional fasts. And if a woman was to do that anyway, she goes ahead and fasts anyway, without taking permission from her husband who is present, then her fast is wrong and she is a sinner for doing so. If the husband is present, she needs to take permission from him. رابعا أن إنه إذا أذن لها زوجها الحاضر بالصيام فإنها تسوم لأنه الحق له فإذا أسقط حقه سقط. If the woman takes the permission and the husband says okay, then that's fine. The woman is permitted to fast. But that's the issue here. If the husband is present, then the woman should take permission if it is optional fasting. Fifthly, أن هذا المنع إنما هو في صوم النافلة أما في صوم الفريضة شهر رمضان فليس من حق الزوج أن يمنعها لأن هذا واجب عليها بأصل شرع فلا حق للزوج في منعه لها من الصيام في رمضان As for Ramadan, then it is not the right of the husband to say anything. When it comes to Ramadan, the woman has to fast. That is the obligation upon her. The husband cannot prevent her then. She doesn't need to seek permission then. That is Ramadan, it is an obligation. Then she fasts without the permission of the husband even. There is no need for the permission of the husband in that situation. سادساً إذا كان عليها قضاء فإن كان موصعاً فإنها لا تسوم إلا بإذن وإن كان مضيقاً كأن لم يبقى من شعبان إلا قدر الأيام التي عليها فإنها تسوم ولو لم يأذن. What about the situation where a woman has missed certain days from Ramadan? Maybe because of the period, maybe because of post-menstrual, post-natal bleeding. Maybe she has missed some days. Then she wants to make up those days afterwards. They are days of Ramadan that she's making up. Does she have to take permission or not? The Shaykh says, if she has days to make up from Ramadan, then how long does she have to make them up? Let's say she has a week to make up. For the period, for example, how long does she have to make up that week? So she has a year, basically, eleven months, to make up that seven days. So is it a large amount of time or a short amount of time? 
It's a large amount of time to make up seven days. You have months and months. Anyway, you can pick those seven days to make them up. In that instance, the Shaykh says, if there is plentiful time, then still she should seek permission. That tomorrow I want to make up one of the days that I missed. She should seek permission. If there is plentiful time, she should seek permission. But if the time is running out, she has seven days to make up, and there's barely seven days left before next Ramadan is going to start. Now, she doesn't have to seek permission. Now it's an obligation. She has to do those days now to make up the last Ramadan. She has no time left. So now she doesn't have to take permission. But in the early stages, when there are months and months left yet, then she should still take permission to make up the days from Ramadan, because there is plenty of time. Maybe your husband says, don't fast tomorrow for whatever reason, do the day after. It's okay, there's plenty of time to do the fasts yet. So in that instance, initially she should take permission. But if the time starts to run out, and there's hardly any time left, then it becomes an obligation, she has to do it. She doesn't have to seek permission in that instance. And that is something which is mentioned from Aisha radiallahu anha. She says in one narration which is in Sahih Muslim, كَانَ يَكُونُ عَلَيَّ الصَّوْمِ مِنْ رَمَضَانِ فَلَا أَقْضِيهِ إِلَّا فِي شَعْبَانِ الشُّغْلُ مِنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم. She says that sometimes I used to have fasts left from the previous Ramadan. And I never used to make them up except in Sha'ban, the month before the next Ramadan. So nine, ten months would go by until the final month comes in before Ramadan for the next year. She says, I used to just about make them up then in Sha'ban. Why? Ash-shughlu min Rasulullah Because of being preoccupied with the Prophet Being preoccupied with the Prophet the rights of the Prophet the rights of the husband, etc. Then she would be preoccupied in this way until she would only make them up in Sha'ban, just the month before the next Ramadan. So that is what the Shaykh says, if the time is plentiful, then even with those obligatory days that you have to make up, then she should seek permission from the husband before doing so. Only if the time runs out, then she has no choice, she has to do them, then she does not need to seek the permission. وعن أبي سعيد الخدري رضي الله عنه the next hadith أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم نهى عن صيام يومين يوم الفطر ويوم النحر متفق عليه he says in this hadith that the Prophet ﷺ, he prohibited from fasting two days. He prohibited from fasting two particular days. What are they? Yawm al-Fitr and Yawm al-Nahr, i.e. the two days of Eid. The day of Eid al-Fitr and the day of Eid al-Adha. That the Prophet ﷺ made it a prohibition, haram, for anyone to fast on Eid day. It is not permissible to do so. So it is not permissible to fast on those two days for whatever reason. Somebody wants to do optional fasts, haram. Somebody wants to do, for example, a vow. Imagine a person makes a vow that I'm going to fast on Eid day. That is a vow of sinning. So that person is not allowed to do it. Similarly, a person wants to make up some days. Imagine somebody's got one day to make up from Ramadan. They weren't traveling one day, so they didn't fast. So they think to themselves, let me get it over and done with straight away. Eid day I'll fast. Haram, you can't do it. You can't make up days on Eid day. You can't fast optionally on Eid day. You can't make a vow to fast on Eid day. Eid day, Eid al-Fitr, Eid al-Adha, 
It is not permissible to fast them with any type of fast. Whatever that fast might be. لِأَنَّ يَوْمِ الْعِيدَنِ يَوْمَا فَرَحٍ وَسُرُورٍ وَأَكْلٍ وَشُرْبٍ Because the Shaykh says the two days of Eid, they are days of celebration and happiness, and to be merry, to eat and to drink. That's what those two days are for. And to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, obviously in amongst that, that this is a remembrance of Allah. It is a gratitude and thankfulness to Allah to celebrate the two days of Eid that Allah has given us as festivals. فَيَوْمُ عِيدِ الْفِطَرِ يَوْمُ أَكْلٍ وَشُرْبٍ وَانْبِسَاطٍ So the day of Eid al-Fitr, it is a day of eating and drinking and happiness. وَأَيْضًا لِأَلَّا يُزَادُ فِي رَمَضَانِ مَا لَيْسَ مِنْهُ Similarly, a person is not allowed to fast on the day of Eid al-Fitr, so that he doesn't add it onto Ramadan. Now, if you fast Eid al-Fitr, it's as if you're fasting, carrying on from Ramadan, you're adding on a day. Just like we said in the previous narration, you're not supposed to add on a day at the beginning of Ramadan, a day or two at the beginning. Similarly, don't add on a day directly at the end. فَيَجِبُ الْإِفْطَارُ قَطْعًا لِلْوَسِيلَةِ فِي أَنْ يُزَاد فِي رَمَضَانِ مَا لَيْسَ مِنْهُ So the shaykh says, you must open your fast on that day. Meaning you must not fast on the day of Eid so that it doesn't become a day added unto Ramadan. Also the shaykh says, one of the reasons that you cannot fast on the day of Eid al-Fitr is to actually make it apparent to the people that this is Eid. If you're fasting, you're not eating, you're not drinking, you're not doing nothing, then you're not demonstrating that this is a day of Eid. One of the ways to demonstrate and to make apparent that this is a day of festival, a day of Eid, is to eat and to drink and to be happy in that way. And that is something that a person should do on those days of Eid. So it is not permissible to fast on that day. As for the Eid al-Adha, similarly it is not permissible to fast on that day because that is a day that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the day of sacrificing. فَلِأَنَّ اللَّهَ سُبْحَانَهُ شَرَعَ فِيهِ ذَبْحِ الْأَضَاحِ وَالْهَدِي وَالْقَرَابِينَ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made that a day of slaughtering. You slaughter the animals. But then if you slaughter the animals, you're all fasting, what are you going to do with it? That is a day of slaughtering. It is a day of eating also. وَيَحِبُّ أَنْ يَأْكُلُوا مِنْهَا And it is uh, something beloved that you eat from that slaughtering. You do the slaughtering on that day and you eat from that slaughtering. So if a person is fasting on that day, he will miss out on that. He will slaughter, but then he's not allowed to eat from it. So that is not correct. A person slaughters on that day, and he eats from that slaughtering on that day. فَهَذَا هُوَ الْحِكْمَةِ مِنَ الْمَنْعِ مِنْ سِيَامِ عِيدِ الْأَضْحَى لِأَنَّهُ يَوْمُ ضَعْحِ فَيُفْذِرُ مِنْ أَجْلِهِ أَنْ يَأْكُلَ مِنْهَا فَإِذَا صَامَ فَاتَ هَذَا الْغَرْضِ and that is the reason why it's not permissible to fast on the day of Eid al-Adha, because it's a day of slaughtering, and you're supposed to eat from what you slaughter. So these two days are impermissible to fast absolutely, any type of fasting. Whether it's optional, whether it's some days that you are making up, whether it's a vow, whether it's kathara. Imagine somebody has intercourse on the day of Ramadan, two months he has to fast in a row if he can't free a slave. He can't say, I'm going to start on the day of Eid, I'll make that my first day. It's a kafara. he says, it's the kafara obligatory upon me. The kafara, I have to do it. You say, good, yes, it's the kafara. You have to do it, but not on the day of Eid. You start the day after if you want, but not on the day of Eid. So kafara, optional, anything. There is no type of fast on those two days of Eid. And even if a person made the vow, then his vow is wrong in the first place. The vow is incorrect in the first place. He has made a vow for something which is haram. And the Prophet ﷺ said, مَن نَذَرَ أَن يَعْصِيَ اللَّهِ فَلَا يَعْصِيَ Whoever makes a vow to disobey Allah, then it's not permissible for him to disobey Allah. 
So even if a person makes a vow to fast on that day, it's not permissible for him to fast on that day. His vow would be a false vow, an incorrect vow, because it is a vow of sinning. The hadith also indicates that there is no other Eid in Islam apart from these two days. Eid al-Fitr, and that is after the completion of the pillar of Islam of fasting in Ramadan. Eid al-Adha, and that is after the pillar of Hajj, after the people have done the standing on Arafat on the following day, is the Eid of al-Adha. As Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan, Hafidahullah Ta'ala says, whoever innovates any other Eid besides these two days, then he is an innovator. Sawan Eid al-Mawlid, whether it is the Eid of the birthday of the Prophet the celebration of the birthday of the Prophet or because of the celebration of any other particular day, anyone who makes any other type of Eid, that is an innovation. These are the two days that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prescribed, and there is no other day that can go with them. فَمَنْ أَحْدَثَ عِيدًا ثَالِثًا أَوْ أَكْثَرًا فَإِنَّهُ مُبْتَدِعًا Whoever innovates a third Eid on top of these two, then he is an innovator, and he has committed an, a, 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 a haram act. As the Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ عَمِلَ عَمَلًا لَيْسَ عَلَيْهِ أَمْرُنَا فَهُوَ رَدَّ Whoever does something which is not from our actions, then it is rejected upon him. The Shaykh says, even if, a person celebrates another day for some reason and doesn't call it Eid. He says, no, it's not an Eid. I'm not saying this is an Eid. It's just a celebration, a festival or something to celebrate this, to celebrate that. The Shaykh says, even if he doesn't give it the name of Eid, then the actual act of him using that day as a celebration, as a festival, that in itself makes it an Eid. Whether he says it's an Eid or not. It's not about the name itself. It's about what he does. If he makes that day into a day of celebration, a day of festival, then he's made it into an Eid, whether he claims it's an Eid or not. So that is something which is impermissible. Uh, then we have the next hadith. An Nubaysha al-Hudali radiyallahu anhu qal, qal Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, ayyamu tashriq, ayyamu aklin wa shurbin wa dhikrin lillahi azza wa jal. Hadith in Sahih Muslim where the Prophet ﷺ said that the days of tashriq, which we'll explain now, they are days of eating and drinking and remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hadith in Sahih Muslim. This is the third type of fasting which is impermissible. tashriq, And that is the fasting on the days of tashriq. So what are the days of tashriq? They are the 11th and the 12th and the 13th from Dhul Hijjah. The 11th of Dhul Hijjah, the 12th of Dhul Hijjah, and the 13th of Dhul Hijjah, those three days are impermissible to fast. Summiya bithalika li'anna al-'aada anna al-hujjaj yaqaddiduna al-luhum al-hadi wa yusharriquunaha ya'ani yanshurunaha fi al-shamsi litujaf fasummiyat bi'ayyam al-tashriq. One of the reasons why they are known as Ayyam al-Tashriq, everybody understands now what the Ayyam al-Tashriq are, they are the 11th, the 12th, and the 13th of Dhul-Hijjah, meaning Eid al-Adha is what day? 10th of Dhul-Hijjah. So the day after that, the day after that, and the day after that. The three days after Eid al-Adha. Eid al-Adha is the 10th of Dhul-Hijjah, 
11th of Dhul-Hijjah, 12th of Dhul-Hijjah, 13th of Dhul-Hijjah, those three days are what are mentioned in this hadith, that those days are days of eating and drinking, and days of remembrance of Allah. And here the shaykh explains why they used to call them Ayamul Tashriq, because they used to collect the slaughtered meat and they used to leave it out to dry, etc. They give reasons how they used to spread the meat out, and for that reason it was called the Ayamul Tashriq. Because Tashriq means to spread something out in one meaning of the word. So they used to spread out the sacrifices they had made on the day of Eid, for the meat to dry in the heat, etc. And so they was known as Ayamul Tashriq. And that is one of the explanations given as to why they are known as Ayamul Tashriq. But they are the three days after Eid. So here in the hadith, he says that those three days, they are days of eating and drinking. Because on the day of Eid, that was the day of Abha. That was the day of slaughtering. So now you're going to be eating that slaughtering. So they are days of eating and drinking. And also they are days of remembrance of Allah. فَأَيَّامُ التَّشْرِيقِ فِيهَا التَّكْبِيرِ وَفِيهَا رَمْيُ الْجِمَارِ وَفِيهَا الطَّوَافِ وَصَعِي وَالْحَلْقُ وَالتَّقْصِيرِ In those days, there are still many acts of obedience that the hujjaj are going to do. They are going to go and stone the pillars, and they are going to be making the takbir, and they are going to be doing tawaf, and they are going to be doing sa'i, and they are going to be shaving their heads, etc. All of these things still occur in those days. All of these acts of worship still occur. And that is as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in Surah Al-Baqarah, وَذْكُرُوا اللَّهَ فِي أَيَّامٍ مَعْدُودَاتٍ Remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in those restricted number of days. فَمَنْ تَعَجَّلَ فِي يَوْمَيْنِ And whoever wishes to be quick and leave after two days, i.e. on the twelfth day, فَلَا إِثْمَ عَلَيْهِ There is no sin upon him. وَمَنْ تَأَخَّرَ And whoever stays behind till the thirteenth day, فَلَا إِثْمَ عَلَيْهِ لِمَنِ اتَّقَى And there is no fear upon him, or there is no sin upon him for the one who has piety. So these restricted days... They are the days of Tashriq. They are the three days after Ramadan, after Eid al-Adha, that the Hujjaj, they go and do their stoning. It is permissible to stone on the 11th and to stone on the 12th and leave. And if an individual wishes, he can remain and stone on the 13th and then leave. That is permissible as mentioned in this ayah in the Quran. So it says, Allah. Remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I.e. remember Allah with all the different types of supplications, etc. With... Uh, in those days of Tashriq. مجرد الجلوس في من الحجاج هذا ذكر لله عز وجل. The Hujjaj, even if they just sit in Mina, whilst they are sitting in Mina, that is a type of remembrance of Allah. They are implementing the Sunnah of being in Mina, of staying in Mina, that in itself is a type of remembrance of Allah. Praying in those days is a type of remembrance. The takbir that you do after the five prayers is a type of remembrance. Other types of takbir that you do, the slaughtering that you do, the stoning that you do, the tawaf that the people they do. All of these are types of remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in those three days, it is not permissible for them to fast. It is not permissible for them to fast in those three days. Min ajlan yaquma bihadil amal, so that a person can busy himself with these types of worship. And that is, sawa'an kana hajjan aw ghayru hajj. If a person is Doing hajj and is there, and even if you're not doing hajj, even if you're here, the three days after Eid al-Adha, you should not do any fasting in those days. Even if you're here not doing hajj. Well, hajj, la yashukku, aw la shakka anna indahu ibadat khasa, the person who is in hajj, no doubt he has specific types of worship he's going to do. Wa amma ghayrul hajj, fa'indahu takbir, wa'indahu al-akil wa shurb. As for somebody who's not in hajj, he's here. Still, he can do the slaughtering, 
he is going to has eating and drinking, celebrating the Eid, etc. He has all of these things that he can still do. And it's a time of happiness also, Eid al-Abha. So in those two or three days, it's not permissible, it's not good for a person to be fasting in those days. Because if an individual fasts, then again, he can't eat, he can't drink. The slaughtering they've done on Eid day, even if you're here, then you can't eat from it in the next two or three days if you're fasting, except the evening. So this is not something which is befitting. And those days are not days that are to be fasted. Uh, so it is better that an individual, he follows the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, and he restricts himself to the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, and that he does not fast in those three days after Eid al-Adha, whether you are in Hajj or outside of Hajj. That is what Shaykh Saleh al-Fawzan says in summary with regards to that issue. The next hadith, وَعَنْ Aisha وَابْنِ Umar رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا Aisha and Ibn Umar رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا They said, لَمْ يُرَخَّصْ فِي أَيَّامِ التَّشْرِيقِ أَنْ يُصَمْنَ إِلَّا لِمَنْ لَمْ يَجِدِ الْهَدِي that it was not permissible for anyone to fast in the days of Tashriq, as we've just mentioned, those three days after Eid al-Adha, Aisha and Ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah, they say, nobody was given any permission to fast in those days, except, لِمَنْ لَمْ يَجِدَ الْهَدِي Somebody who could not find a slaughtering. What does that mean? We'll come to the explanation here now. This hadith, therefore, the Shaykh says, is something which specifies the previous narration. This hadith, it specifies the previous narration. Because in the previous narration, the Prophet ﷺ prohibited anyone from fasting those three days after Eid. But in this narration, he has made it permissible for the person who cannot find a slaughtering. He is in Hajj, he is doing Hajj, and he cannot find anything to slaughter. And that is obviously the mutamatti' mutamatti'un bil umrati al-hajj. The one who is doing the mutamatti' hajj is one of the types of hajj we'll come to when we do the chapter of hajj. If he's doing that type of hajj where he does the umrah first and then he goes on to do the hajj, فَإِنَّهُ يَسُومُ ثَلَاثَةَ أَيَّامٍ أَلَّتِي أَمَرَ اللَّهُ بِسِيَامِهَا فِي الْحَجِّ وَهَذِهِ الْأَيَّامٍ أَيَّامِ الْحَجِّ فَيَسُومُهَا Then that person who is doing that type of hajj, tamattu' but he doesn't have anything to slaughter then he must fast three days in Hajj. That's the ruling. So now these days of Tashriq, he can fast them. They are days from Hajj. That is something specific to an individual who is doing Tamattu' but he can't find anything to slaughter because in Tamattu' you have to slaughter. And if he can't find anything to slaughter, then instead he fasts the three days in Hajj and those three days can be the Ayam al-Tashriq. As Allah stated in the Qur'an, فَمَنْ تَمَتَّعَ بِالْعُمْرَةِ إِلَى الْحَجِّ فَمَا اسْتَيْسَرَ مِنَ الْهَدِي Whoever does the tamattu'a hajj, he does the umrah, and then he does the hajj straight after it, then he has to give the hadi. فَمَنْ لَمْ يَجِدْ فَسَيَامُ ثَلَاثَةِ أَيَّامِ فِي الْحَجِّ وَسَبْعَةٍ إِذَا رَجَعَتُمْ إِلَىٰ وَسَبْعَةٍ إِذَا رَجَعَتُمْ وَسَبْعَةٍ إِذَا رَجَعَتُمْ تِلْكَ عَشَرَةٌ كَامِلًا If a person cannot find the sacrifice, then he fasts three days in the hajj, and then seven days if he returns, that is ten days altogether. If a person was to fast these three days before the day of Arafah, that would be better. A person who's doing tamattu', he doesn't have any sacrifice. If he was to fast the days before Arafah, that would have been better. 
وَإِن لَمْ يَسُمْهَا قَبْلَ يَوْمِ عَرَفَا فَإِنَّهُ يَسُمُهَا فِي أَيَّامِ التَّشْرِقِ And if he hasn't already fasted them, then it's permissible in that specific situation for him to fast the days 11, 12, and 13. As for a person who is able to find something to slaughter, then he doesn't have a choice. It's not like you can say that I can do a slaughtering, but I won't bother, I'll just fast. That's not possible. If you can slaughter, then you must slaughter. If you're doing the tamattu', then you must slaughter. Only if you're not able, you cannot find anything to slaughter, it's not possible for you to slaughter, then in that case you are allowed to uh, go over to fasting instead. So that is what this hadith indicates. When you put the two together then, a resident too? Ah. You're right, you're right. The people who are from Mecca, then some of the rulings are a bit different. But uh, I don't remember the details now, but we'll get to those details. That if you come back, when you return to your family, you return to your people, then you do seven more days. That's, that's mentioned about the returning, for the one who's going to return. But uh, the, uh, the first part of the ayah, that's the evidence for this section, which is the three days in Ramadan. That's for everyone. Three days in Ramadan for the one who is doing tamattu' but he can't find the sacrifice to be able to do the sacrifice. Other than that, in those three days of tashriq, then nobody should be fasting in those days. Next issue, عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لا تختصوا ليلة الجمعة بقيام من بين الليالي ولا تختصوا يوم الجمعة بصيام من بين الأيام إلا أن يكون في صوم يصومه أحدكم رواه مسلم in this hadith of Muslim, he says that Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu narrated from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He said, do not specify the night of Jum'ah, i.e. Thursday night. Do not specify the night of Jum'ah. And you know Islamically the night comes before the day. So the night of Jum'ah is Thursday night. Do not specify Thursday night, the night of Jum'ah for the night prayer. Do not specify that Thursday night specifically for the night prayer. You say, Thursday night I'm going to pray tahajjud. Every Thursday night. Do not specify Thursday night by itself specifically for the night prayer. And similarly, do not specify Fridays for fasting. Don't specify Friday for fasting. Except if somebody normally fasts that anyway. It's his habit, like we said before. If somebody has a habit of doing something, then within his habit, if he lands on a Friday, he can do it. But otherwise, don't specify Friday. So what's the meaning of this hadith? And the shaykh says there are two issues in this hadith. The first of them is the night of Friday, i.e. Thursday night, that you don't make that something specific for tahajjud, for the night prayer. فَالَّذِي يَتَقَصَّدُ لَيْلَةَ الْجُمْعَةَ فَيَقُومُ فِيهَا وَيَتَهَجَّدُ دُونَ غَيْرِهَا مِنَ الْلِيَالِ هَذَا بِدْعَةً Somebody who believes that praying the night prayer, tahajjud, taraweeh, we're not talking about Ramadan, even outside of Ramadan. Outside of Ramadan, the rest of the year, you can pray the tahajjud anytime. At the night you can pray. 8 raka'at, 12, 13 raka'at, pray it. If somebody outside of Ramadan now decides that every Thursday night I'm going to get up and pray tahajjud, the night of Jum'ah, Jum'ah the blessed day, that night, Thursday night before Jum'ah, I'm going to get up and pray tahajjud every Thursday night. He specifies that night, believing there's something about that night. That is a bid'ah. You are not supposed to specify Thursday night. It doesn't have any virtue in that way for the tahajjud over the other nights. So that is something which the Shaykh says is a bid'ah. 
Especially because now we know the Prophet ﷺ forbade that in this hadith. He forbade that you specify Thursday night. So somebody who specifies Thursday night, clearly it's a bid'ah. It's going against the uh, prohibition of the Prophet ﷺ. And that was not from the guidance of the Prophet ﷺ to make that a specific day for fasting. وَإِنَّمَا لَيْلَةُ الْجُمْعَةِ وَإِنَّمَا لَيْلَةُ الْجُمْعَةِ كَغَيْرِهَا مِنَ الْلَيَالِ The night of Friday, i.e. Thursday night, is just like any other night. فَإِذَا كَانَ مِنْ عَادَةِ الْإِنسَانَ أَنْ يَقُومَ مِنَ اللَّيْلِ فَإِنَّهُ يَقُومُ لَيْلَةُ الْجُمْعَةِ تَبْعَنَ غَيْرِهَا So if a person typically gets up anyway, normally he gets up to pray tahajjud on different nights of the week. One night ends up being a Thursday night, the night before Friday. That's okay. He normally typically gets up to pray tahajjud anyway. On different nights. One night it turns out to be a Thursday night, it's okay. He's not specifying it. He's doing it out of his habit. He does different nights every few weeks. Uh, 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 in every week, a few nights he gets up. One week it ends up being a Thursday night. Okay, that's alright. There's no problem in that. But it's when somebody specifies Thursday night and says, that is the night you have to do the qiyam in, that becomes a bid'ah. وَإِن لَمْ يَكُنْ مِنْ عَادَتِهِ الْقِيَامِ فَلَا خَصَّ so if a person, it's not his habit to get up and pray the night prayer, then he shouldn't just one day decide, I will do it, but on a Thursday night. You don't specify it that way. قَالَ الشَّيْخُ وَغَيْرُهُ The Shaykh said, and others have said, Al-Hafidh al and others, وَفِي هَذَا إِبْطَالٌ لِصَلَاةِ الرَّغَائِبَ الَّتِي يَزْعَمُهَا الْمُبْتَدِعَ وَهِيَ قِيَامُ لَيْلَ أَوَّلُ جُمْعَ مِنْ رَجَبَ Some people, they have this innovation, they say the first night the first Thursday night, i.e. the night of Friday, of Rajab, they say that is a night you should get up and pray the tahajjud, etc. The first night of Friday, i.e. Thursday night, of Rajab, they say that is something you should get up and pray. Qiyamu awwalu layla jum'a min Rajab yuqimunaha. They get up and they pray on that night. Wa yasammunaha salat al-raghaib. And they have this name for it, salat al-raghaib. This prayer that they pray on the first Thursday night of Rajab, the first night of Friday in Rajab, that they say is a particular prayer, it's a bid'ah and it is a false prayer. The ahadith which are mentioned about the specifics of Rajab and the virtues of Rajab in praying, making certain nights with tahajjud, etc., all of those are not established. They are not authentic. They are all fabricated, they are not authentic, nothing is established from the Prophet ﷺ in terms of specifying Rajab for night prayers, etc. Shahru Rajab min Rajab is like any other month from amongst the months of the Islamic calendar. And if a person typically gets up and prays the tahajjud in the other months of the year, then the Rajab he can carry on doing that. That's his habit. Somebody who does it out of his habit all the other months, then the Rajab he can carry on also. But somebody who says, no, I'm going to just do it in Rajab, the night prayer. Specify Rajab again, that's a bid'ah. وَمَنْ كَانَ مِنْ أَعَادَتِهَا يَسُومَ فِي شَهُورِ السَّنَةِ يَسُومُ أَيَّامُ الْبِيضِ أَوِ الْإِثْنَيْنِ وَالْخَمِيسِ فَإِنَّهُ يَسُومُ شَهْرَ رَجَبْ كَغَيْرِهِ for example, a person who fasts three days, 13, 14, 15th, the lunar days of every month. He does that every month. Or the Monday and the Thursday of every month. Then when it comes to Rajab, are we going to say, no, don't do it now? He can carry on. That's his habit. He always fasts the other months. Rajab is the same as the other months. So he can carry on and do the three lunar days. He can carry on and do the Monday and Thursday. The problem is when somebody doesn't do anything else, and he specifies, I'm just going to do it in Rajab. That's wrong. 
أما أن يخص بصلاة أو صيام أو غير ذلك فهذا لا أصل له. If somebody specifies Rajab for praying or for fasting, then that is something which there is no basis to. وقد سنف الحافظ ابن حجر رحمه الله رسالة سماها بيان العجب فيما ورد في شهر رجب. And there is a book written by Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar which he entitled Clarification of the Amazement or the Surprising Affairs from that which have been revealed or that which have been related regarding Rajab. Meaning there are lots of ahadith all fabricated and weak narrations about Rajab. Do this and do that and do this and do that. So Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar wrote this book clarifying this amazement of these narrations about Rajab because they're all made up. They're all weak and fabricated. So he wrote a book explaining that. وَتَتَبَّعَ الْأَحَادِيثَ الْوَارِدَ فِيهَا وَفَنَّدَهَا تَفْنِيدًا وَاضِحًا And he followed up the ahadith which are mentioned in this affair and he clarified that issue of Rajab. So that is one issue. The second issue was also وَلَا تَخْتَصُّ يَوْمَ الْجُمْعَةِ بِسَوْمٍ دُونَ سَائِرِ الْأَيَّامِ And do not specify Fridays for fasting from all the other days. Don't say Friday, mashallah, blessed day, Jum'ah, we'll fast on Fridays every week. Don't specify Fridays for fasting. This is another type of fasting which is impermissible, which is to specify Fridays. The day of Friday, it's been mentioned in the Sunnah, it's, it's like a type of Eid, the Friday. It's like a type of celebration. وَهُوَ عِيدُ الْأُسْبُوعِ It is the Eid of the week, the weekly Eid, the Yawm Al-Jum'ah. A day of gathering of the Muslims coming together, etc. Jum'ah, it's like a type of Eid. وَقَدْ نُهِيَ And we know that on Eid it is impermissible to fast. وَهُوَ أَفْضَلُ الْأَيَّامِ فِيهِ صَلَاةُ الْجُمْعَةِ وَالْحُضُورِ إِلَيْهَا وَالتَّبْكِيرِ إِلَيْهَا فِيهِ ذِكْرُ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلُ And it is the best of the days and there is Salatul Jum'ah where all the people they gather together and they do the remembrance of Allah etc. فَيَتَفَرَّغُ الْإِنسَانُ لِهَذِي الْعَمَالِ وَيَقُومُ بِهَا بِالنِّشَاطِ So a person must make himself available and have strength and enthusiasm in carrying out that worship to Allah on that day of Friday. فَإِذَا صَامَ فَإِنَّ ذَلِكَ يُضَعِفُهُ عَنِ الْقِيَامُ بِوَضَائِفِ يَوْمِ الْجُمْعَةِ So if a person fasts on Friday, he becomes weak. You have a weakness when you fast. You're not able to do the worship in that way of energy. You don't have as much energy. And so the shaykh says, that's why it's not good on Friday. You should have energy to fulfill the acts of Friday, the coming to the Jumu'ah, the gathering with the people, remembrance of Allah, etc. That requires some energy. But if you fast, then your energy becomes depleted. And so it's not befitting to do so. However, like we said always, if somebody typically fasts certain days, and it just so happens to end up on a Friday, he can do that. He fasts the 13th, the 14th, the 15th of every month. It just so happens that in one particular month, Friday ends up being one of those days. Okay, you can fast it. There's no problem. He's not specifying it. It's his habit to do the three days of every month. So the person who has a habit, he can continue his habit. But somebody who specifies the Friday, then that is not correct. فَلَا مَانِعَ مِنَ يَسُومَ تَبْعًا لِغَيْرِهِ أَوْ سَامَ يَوْمَ الْجُمْعَةٍ قَضَاءِ فِي ذِمَّتِهِ Or if somebody was to fast Friday because he needs to make up a day. He has some days to make up from Ramadan. You can do the Friday. Imagine somebody has a week to make up. Or, or he has two days to make up. So he ends up doing Thursday and a Friday. That's okay. He's making up the days from Ramadan. He's not specifying Friday for the sake of Friday. He's doing it to, for the sake of making up the days that he's got from Ramadan. Or if a person made a vow. Because fasting on Friday isn't haram. 
So if a person made a vow to do it, then he would have to fulfill his vow. So that would be okay too. فَلَبَأْسْ إِنَّمَا الْمَمْنُوعَ هُوَ أَنْ يَخُصَّهُ بِسَوْمٍ نَافِرًا What's prohibited is that you specify Fridays for optional fasts. You specify Fridays for optional fasts. Otherwise, if you're making up a day from what you've got left, you can do that. Somebody, his habit is to fast three days every month. Friday ends up being one of them. You can do that. But to specify it is not correct. So specifying Friday night, i.e. which is now Thursday night, the night of Friday Islamically is our Thursday night as we say. To specify that for tahajjud is not correct. And also to specify Friday and say that is the day to fast every week. If you're going to fast one day, do it Friday. Blessed day. Wrong. Do not specify Friday in that way. Then, and there's going to be some more narrations which are linked to this coming up about Saturday and about Friday, etc. There's more things that are going to come up on that, inshallah. But the next issue is the hadith of Abu Huraira, radiallahu anhu, anna Rasulullah Oh, sorry, we have a hadith left before that. Hadith of Abu Huraira, radiallahu anhu, قال, قال Hadith which is in Al-Bukhari, a Muslim, the Prophet said, None of you should fast Friday. None of you should fast Friday. Except if you add on and join with it Thursday or Saturday. Meaning, do not fast Friday by itself. Don't ever fast Friday by itself. If you're gonna fast Friday, then make sure you add on Thursday with it or Saturday with it. So that you have one more day added on with it. That's what this hadith indicates. So this hadith, in a way, it is specifying the previous hadith. The previous hadith generally said, don't specify Fridays for any type of optional fasting. But this hadith seems to indicate that you can actually fast on a Friday for an optional fast. But only if you add on Thursday or Saturday with it. So you can't do the Friday by itself as an optional fast. But if you were to add on a Thursday or a Saturday to make it two days with the Friday, then it would be okay. Because in that instance, when you fast Thursday with Friday, or you fast Friday and then Saturday with it, now you are no longer specifying Friday. It's not specified anymore. You've added another day with it now. Specifying is to highlight and to specify one particular day. If you add on Thursday with it, Friday is no longer specified. You've got two days together. If you add on Saturday with it, Friday is no longer specified by itself anymore. You've got Saturday with it. So that's why the Shaykh says, if you add on Thursday or you add on Saturday, then in that instance, it's not an issue for you to fast Friday. You can do it. Thursday and Friday together. Or Friday and Saturday together. But you must not specify Friday by itself. That's the issue so far. And then we'll come to the issue of Saturday uh, in the future hadith. Here we'll conclude now with the one more hadith, which is the hadith of Abu Huraira, radiallahu anhu, أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إذا انتصف شعبان فلا تسوموا If the middle of شعبان comes then do not fast after that شعبان which is the month before Ramadan We've already done one hadith before which said that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم used to fast more days in شعبان than any other month apart from Ramadan obviously But this hadith says that when you get to the 15th of شعبان then 16th, 17th, 18th, all the way to 28th, 29th, 30th, until Ramadan starts, the second half of Sha'ban, don't fast. That's what this hadith says. 
إِذَا انْتَصَفَ شَعْبَانِ If شَعْبَان comes to the middle, فَلَا تَسُومُوا Then don't fast any more days after it. So what's the meaning of this hadith? One of the possible meanings of that is, أَنْ لَا يَتَقَدَّمْ رَمَضَانْ بِسَيَامٍ That a person doesn't start into Ramadan whilst already fasting. We already mentioned those other narrations that you're not supposed to precede Ramadan by one or two days of fasting. Remember we mentioned that before. At the end of Sha'ban, you can't fast those last two or three days going into Ramadan. So the Shaykh says maybe that's why this narration has been mentioned, just to make extra establishment of that issue, that you don't precede Ramadan by fasting. So you have a good two weeks off before you start Ramadan. Maybe that's one of the reasons why this has been mentioned. However, like we said, the hadith of Aisha, عنها, that the Prophet used to fast more days in Sha'ban than any other day. So here some of the scholars have said, مِنَ الْعُلَمَا مَنْ أَجَابَ بِأَنَّ صِيَامَ أَكْثَرَ شَعْبَانَ مِنْ خَصَائِسِ Wasallam. Some of the scholars have said, because how can it be that the Prophet fasted more days in Sha'ban than any other month if he's not allowed to fast the second half? That means he would have only fasted maximum 14-15 days. That can't be, the, the, that can't be possible then. He must have fasted more days than that. He must have therefore fasted in the second half of Sha'ban. So how do you join that then? If the Prophet ﷺ himself fasted in the second half of Sha'ban, but this hadith is saying don't do that, some of the scholars said that maybe the fact that the Prophet ﷺ fasted in the second half of Sha'ban was specific to him. That was his action that was specific to him. As for us, we've been commanded, don't do that. Fast the first half of Sha'ban if you want, but not the second half. That is one answer the scholars have given. وَمُظَاهِرُ هَذَا نَعْمُ هَذِي قَاعِدَ عَنْدَهُمْ إِذَا تَعَارَدَ الْقَوْلُ وَالْفِعْلِ فَإِنَّهُ يُقَدَّمُ الْقَوْلُ وَيَكُونُ تَشْيِعًا لِلْأُمَّةِ They say that if the statement of the Prophet ﷺ, there is a contradiction between that and the action of the Prophet ﷺ, then the statement is that which we act upon and the action is specific to the Prophet ﷺ. That is one principle they sometimes mention. وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ قَالْ But some of them they said, there's another opinion. One opinion is that, that how do you join between the narrations? We join between them by saying that the Prophet ﷺ, he could fast the rest of Sha'ban. That was specific to him. As for us, we can't. Halfway in, after that, don't do it. There's a second explanation, which is, وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ قَالْ هَذَا النَّهِيَ That this prohibition in this hadith, it is for the purpose of being something which is makruh. But you can still do it if you want. But it's makruh. بِدَلِيلْ أَنَّ فَسَلَمْ كَانَ يَسُومَ أَكْثَرَ شَعْبَانِ How do we know that it's makruh? The hadith says, don't do it. فَلَا تَسُومُ Do not fast after halfway in Sha'ban. So how are we saying that it's only makruh? You can still do it. Because there's another principle. They say, something in hadith is a prohibition unless you can find some evidence that takes it away from being a prohibition. So here some of the scholars said, we found evidence that takes it away from being a prohibition. What's that? That the Prophet himself used to do it. So they said the fact that the Prophet himself used to do it indicates that this isn't a prohibition, meaning prohibition, prohibition. What it means is that it's a something which is makruh. The Prophet is saying you shouldn't do it. But he did it to indicate that it is actually allowed. He's telling you that you shouldn't really do it, but he did it to show that it is actually allowed though. The Prophet was explaining that it is permissible to do so, but that it's not something that you really should do. But there's another answer. There's a third response to how to understand this. 
ان النهي هنا متوجه الى من لم يصوم النصف الاول وانما ابتدا صيامه من النصف الثاني some of the scholars say the meaning of this hadith is a person who never fasted any days from the first half of shaaban then he should not start and start doing the second half of shaaban a person who didn't fast any days in the first half of shaaban then he should not do any days in the second half of shaaban If he did days in the first half of Sha'ban as well, then he can carry on and do days in the second half of Sha'ban, like the Prophet ﷺ used to do. He used to fast the majority of Sha'ban, from the first half and the second half. But somebody who doesn't do it like that, he doesn't do anything in the first half, and then from the 15th, 16th, 17th of Sha'ban, he wants to start fasting now, then he shouldn't do so. That's what some of the scholars have said. هذا هو المنهي عنه أما من كان يسوم النصف الأول وأدخل معه شيئا من النصف الثاني فهذا غير ممنوع. So somebody who fasts from the first half of Sha'ban and then he does from the second half, that's okay in that case. The prohibition is that somebody doesn't do anything from the first half and then all of a sudden just before Ramadan, two weeks beforehand, in the second half he starts fasting. That the scholars say is not correct. And this is what the Shaykh says uh, is apparent. And you can also add to that that some of the scholars have actually said that this hadith, it's not as an evidence. Some of the scholars said the hadith is mansukh. It's abrogated anyway. You don't have to act upon this. You can fast in Sha'ban. Beginning and you can fast, as the Prophet used to do. He used to fast the majority of Sha'ban. Some of the scholars said this hadith is mansukh, abrogated. Others, they rejected this hadith. And Imam Malik, he said, no. How can this be the case? In the hadith of Aisha, she mentioned the Prophet used to fast the majority of Sha'ban. So this hadith, some of the scholars, they didn't accept it to be authentic. But in any case, you have these responses. One is, that if you don't fast the first half of Sha'ban, then you shouldn't fast the second half. If you do though, you can. Another response is, that maybe that was specific to the Prophet ﷺ. That he could fast the second half, but we are not allowed to do so. Another one is, that maybe it just means it's makruh. You can't do it, because the Prophet ﷺ did it, to show us that it is allowed. That's why the Prophet ﷺ sometimes used to do things, that he prohibited from. To indicate that the prohibition doesn't mean it's haram. It means it's makruh. How do we know? Because the Prophet did it. If it was completely haram, the Prophet wouldn't have done it. So the fact that the Prophet did it indicates that it is permissible if you want to, but it's not something which is recommended to do. And then we have this last response as well, where some of the scholars, they say it's abrogated anyway. So that is what's mentioned about fasting in the month of Sha'ban. And we leave it upon that point. Inshallah, next time we'll start with the issue of Saturdays. Is it permissible to fast on Saturdays or not? That we'll start with next time, inshallah.